Awesome. Hey, before we start the preaching of God's word, let's welcome in our online family. Come on, let's put our hands together. Highlight.church, Facebook, YouTube. Thank you all for being there. And uh, Anthony, can you grab my water, please? Thank you so much. Give it up for Anthony, everyone, helping out. So the preacher's not parched. Thank you so much. Great, great, great. Well, um, uh, well, 1045, uh, I won't keep you long today. We got some business to take care of. At, I know, right? I'm sorry. We got some business at 1230 we got to handle. So um, I don't know how to feel about that. I don't know if you're happy for the third service or you just want me to reel it in, you know, because it's lunchtime. But no, no, I'm so glad to see you all. I'm glad you're at home this morning. I, I do have a lot of content. And uh, we're going to get through it. Uh, we're going to jump around to various scriptures today. We are a note-taking church, so if you have your phone or uh, your, your pads ready, uh, let's get into the Word of God. And before we do, let me, let me pray one more time and, and, uh, so that can set the tone. So let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for today. Um, God, we thank you for your eternal Word, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that your Word is alive and it has the power to change our lives and so God we're ready we're ready Lord we're ready for you to to do a work in our hearts to to do a work in our minds and 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 to to breathe into our souls Lord and so just do what it is you're going to do and uh, we pray that we would bear fruit for your glory in Jesus name amen let's go ahead and let's jump to Romans chapter 5 If you have a Bible, great. If not, it's okay. We got you covered. We're going to start at Romans 5, verse 12. And and we'll, we'll start here. Here it is. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. And then we're going to skip down to verse 15. And it says, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. Someone say many. Okay. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many. Someone say many. Yeah, there it is. Through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of one man's sin, For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. So so salvation is a a free gift uh, from God through Christ. Uh, This just tells us you can't feed enough homeless people and come to the day of judgment and say, you know, I didn't believe in Jesus, but I fed a lot of people. And God say, well, come, come home. You can't do enough works to be right with God. Jesus did all, all the work, and it's a free gift. And it says this here. It says here, gift of righteousness made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Verse 17, for the sin of this one man, Adam, calls death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all, who re- for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin, someone say sin, and death, someone say death, through this one man, Jesus Christ. 
Today, we're going to talk about breaking generational dysfunction. And so this is, I'm going to shoot straight, no cute titles today. We're just, I'm going to teach it and we'll have you out of here, I promise, in about 36 minutes. All right. So let's cover some ground. So if you're taking notes, Adam or Adam means man. And Adam was the first man that God created. We all know the story. God created Adam. Put him in a garden. Adam had purpose. Adam had resource. Adam, Adam walked with God. Um, I think for the first 400 years, uh, theologians believe that man did not have to call on the name of the Lord because God was there and, and his tangible presence would walk with man. And that's how close we were to God. And then you know the story. Adam disobeyed the Lord and sinned. He ate of the tree that he wasn't supposed to eat of. And a few things happened after he sinned. He was separated from God's best. If you read the narrative in Genesis, you see where God puts an angel in front of the garden to keep Adam away from it, to keep us away from it. Uh, More so to keep us away from the tree of life. Uh, I would dive deep there, but we got got some, some ground to cover. And the other thing was the result of Adam's sin was, from that point, each sin, each person would be born with a sin nature. Someone say sin nature. sin nature. So sin is innate or innate within us. If you have kids, you understand that. Um, and then here comes Jesus thousands of years later. And one of Jesus' nicknames is the second Adam. Someone say second Adam. Second. And the Bible teaches that. And the reason we're not going to use generational curse, because that's a... That's a popular phrase, generational curse, is I believe that Jesus broke the curse. He, he, broke, he broke the curse of sin and he broke the curse of death because, number one, he was sinless, and number two, he resurrected. So we'll more so roll with dysfunction or tendencies or choices or habits or, or whatever. We'll, we'll go in a different direction when it comes to terms. And so um, the promise of a complete freedom will be fulfilled when Christ comes back. And when Christ does come back, you know, you got your tribulation and all that. But when Christ comes back, there's going to be a new heaven and, and a new earth. All right. So he's going he's gonna to restore all things and, and our freedom is going to be complete. And so uh, a new heaven, not, 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 not that third heaven you're thinking about, because that's where God resides. There are actually three heavens. The one that you see, the sky. The second one is the space. And then the third one is where the presence of God resides. And so there's going to be a new sky, a new space, and a new earth. Okay? And so then you're going to have that physical restoration where all things are going to be made perfect. But until then, we have to deal with dysfunction. What we all agree. We got to deal with struggle and, and headaches and pain and, and relational issues and, and financial issues. And so what I want to reveal on the board here on the screen, I always say board as a screen, is um, some forms of generational dysfunction until Christ comes back to redeem us. And so we have alcoholism has had a strong grip in some of our families for decades, if not centuries. Drug abuse, domestic violence and abuse, adultery, poverty is in many of our lineages. Debt, imprisonment. Uh, We're not going to say single parenthood because I I don't think that's a curse. I just think that's a result of the curse. What I will say is absent parenting. 
Now, you may be a single parent, but you don't have to be absent. Uh, Disease, poor health. And we saw when Adam committed that first sin, Cain uh, became envious of his brother Abel. Abel gave his first fruit, his best portion to the Lord. Um, This is actually where you can introduce the principle or this idea of the tithe, even though the Bible doesn't say it was a tithe, but we know that tithe means first tenth or best portion. And so maybe it was more than 10%, but Abel gave his best portion. And the Bible says that Cain gave some of his flock. So Cain gave some pocket change. Cain put two or three dollars in the plate. And uh, the Bible says that God did not accept Cain's offering, but he accepted Abel's offering. And God knew within him that Cain was becoming envious and jealous of how God accepted Abel's offering and how he didn't accept Cain. And God said, if you do right, won't things work out for you? If you do right. And he says, Cain, be careful. Sin crouches at your door. He knew he's God. He knew that Cain was going to kill Abel. And to this day, the Bible teaches that the blood of Abel still speaks because of his faith in God. And so um, we see this dysfunction set in at the very beginning of history. And now even today we have we have uh, abuse and we have fighting and we have wars and we have plagues. And it's all from what that's why the Bible says through this one man sin Death ruled over many. And it's been passed down from one generation to the other. I mean, we all come from Adam, right? Like at some point, we're all brothers and sisters. And, uh, and, and at a certain point, it's found your lineage and, and it's just passed down. So I want to give us three ways that dysfunction is passed down through our generations. Three ways. Number one is genetic or genetically. <clears throat> it's genetic. And um, Mount Sinai Research Center in New York did a phenomenal study um, on some of the victims from the 9-11 attack, more specifically 1,700 pregnant women who were there. I mean, think about it, planes and dust and concrete and steel and loud noises and crying and seeing people fall and jump out of the building. I mean, think about that trauma. If, if you could just seeing people bleeding and buried under concrete, just think about that trauma. So these 1,700 pregnant women um, develop, obviously, symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. And a few years later, they did a study on their children, and their children reacted, to high, reacted with high levels of fear and stress around loud noises, unfamiliar people, and even new foods. It seems the infants inherited the nightmare that their mothers experienced on that day. As they were in the womb, they inherited that, that, that traumatic experience in their genes. And this is what you call epigenetic modification. This is when environments and circumstances begin to affect us on the inside. So simply put, epigenetic modification is when we don't only pass on our gene sequence, so our eye color, our hair type, our complexion, um, our lips, our nose. We don't just pass those things on to our children. We also pass on how they react to certain stimuli, how they react to certain seasons, how, how, they, how they react. And we, we can prove this scripturally. Someone say Abraham. Abraham. Now, this is Father Abraham, the father of our faith. 
the one who God promised all these amazing things. And Paul says in the book of Galatians, you too have the same promises over your life. But I love how God will work with imperfect people and still bless them. But even Father Abraham struggled with lying. Someone say lying. Lying. Here it is. So Abraham is on his journey. He's left Ur of the Chaldeans. He's going through Canaan. He's going through the, to the Negev, which is southern uh, Israel. And um, the Bible says that he encounters some kings and some different battles. And he feels as though he has to do this thing out of fear that he's going to lose his life. And it says this here in Genesis 20, verse 1 says, Abraham moved south to the Negev and lived for a while between Kadesh and Shur. And then he moved to Gerar. While living there as a foreigner, Abraham introduced his wife, someone say wife, Sarah, by saying she is my sister. Pastor, the man of God? <laughs> yeah. Someone say the Bible is good. Yeah, it's real good. So King Abimelech of Gerar sent for Sarah and had her brought to him at his palace. And so he was going to marry her and move forward and all that stuff. But that night that King Abimelech brought Sarah into his, you know, his palace and he went to sleep, God gave him, a, God visited him in a dream and he said, you better not touch her. This is a married woman and if you touch her, you die. Wow. What about the God of grace, you know what I mean? <laughs> God's serious about his people. God was serious about what he was trying to do through Abraham, though Abraham was imperfect. And so he had a dream and he's like, oh, my God, I got to get up and talk to this man. Like, why, why, why? And he, he confronts Abraham and says, why did you lie to me? And verse 11, we'll pick up. Abraham replied, I thought this is a godless place. They will want my wife and will kill me to get her. And she is really and she really is my sister. <laughs> For we both have the same father, but different mother. So it's a half truth is still a lie. And I married her. When God called me to leave my father's home and to travel from place to place, I told her, do me a favor. Wherever we go, tell the people that I'm your brother. God's given me a promise, but we got to lie to get it. And thank God for his grace because he, he covered them. Now, now, go with me here because this is before their son Isaac is even born. This is before he's even in the womb. He's in Abraham's loins, and he's in her genetics, wherever they are, in her loins as well. And this is not a proud story to tell your kids. Hey, son, uh, over the years, as we've journeyed to the promised land, the land that God has promised us long ago, we just got to tell you, me and your mom, we're bona fide liars. No, 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 it's in the genes. And so in Genesis 26... Isaac is entering into his own, as we all will when we grow up, and God has him on a journey. And it says this here in Genesis 26, verse 7. Someone say genetics. genetics. Here it is. When the men who lived there asked Isaac, he was in another city just like his dad, about his wife, Rebecca, he said, she is my She is my sister. He is afraid to say she is my. He thought they will kill me to get her because she is so beautiful. But sometime later, crazy, same name, different king, different year, weird, of the Philistines, looked out his window and saw Isaac caressing Rebekah. 
Verse 9, immediately Abimelech called for Isaac and exclaimed, She is obviously your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? Because I was afraid someone would kill me and get her from me. Some of us do things out of fear that aren't really aligned with the ways of God. And we just think like we battle with depression and we struggle with anxiety and we it's all us not knowing that it may be a grandma or grandpa or great grandma years down the road that struggled with the same thing. And so what science has confirmed is that we pass on this epigenetic modification in the genome and the messenger three or four generations down. And you may see your parents as people who are unstoppable. They're invincible. They got it all together. But just because they have it all together, it doesn't mean that you won't battle with the things that grandma and grandpa battle with. This is a saying uh, one of my favorite preachers, Levi Lusco, said. He said, Jesus in my heart, grandpa in my bones. That's good. If we could, I'd get him here to preach it. He'd do a lot better. Jesus in my heart, grandpa in my bones. So there's a reality that dysfunction is it's passed down fear and anger and worry. It may just be genetic. The second way that it's passed down is number two, observation, observation. As people, we remember 10% of what we hear and 80% of what we see. That's how our brain processes 10% of what we hear and 80% of what we see. I remember a lot of things my dad told me growing up, a lot of stuff, but I remember a lot more of what I saw. And then so we even have it here biblically. It says Solomon was the wisest man to live. The Bible even says he was the richest man to ever live. But uh, his heart began to turn from God because he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And his heart was turned from God. So he created these places of idol worship. And so the nation's heart began to turn from God as well. As the leader goes, so goes, goes the people. He has a son. His name is Rehoboam. And the Bible says about him that, His heart was turned from God, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Rehoboam has a son. His name is Abijah. Abijah becomes king, and it says of him in 1 Kings 15.3. Here it is. You okay? It says this here. He committed the same, someone say same, Same. sins as his father before him, and he was not faithful to the Lord his God. Simply because of what he saw. And we've all seen our our families and seasons of broken relationships and how our families have responded to financial pressures. And we've seen the dysfunction just kind of passed down auntie, uncle and and all this. And this is what I want to this is what I want you to write down. It won't pop up on the screen, but go ahead and write this down. Observation, if you're not careful, can become your outlook. What you observed in your home, what you saw, what you heard can become your outlook on life, can become your approach to life. There is a certain way that I observe my certain people in my family deal with certain situations. And so when I came up before Christ, I thought that this is the way I got to go about this. This this is the way we're going to go about this, but it's through observation. And the third way that dysfunction is passed down is experience. Someone say experience. 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 First Chronicles 4.9 says, there is a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. 
says this here, his mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. So this is the deal. She had a painful experience. And because her mind and her heart was not in a healthy place, she responded by passing it on to her child. And if we don't find some healing and some support and some strength through our struggles, if we're not careful, we're going to pass it on to the next generation. And she did. She named him Jabez. And the reason that this is powerful is because the Hebrew mind understands that whatever I name a child, that will nine times out of ten be their destiny. So I just had I just had a lot of pain giving you birth. And because I haven't healed from my pain, I want you to experience the pain. And so I'm going to name you pain. I mean, you really ought to do a, a you know, you, you ought to look up um, what your name means. Um, for example, my wife's name is Yakira, and so her name means God's time, God's timing, God's perfect timing. My name is Joshua. My name means God is salvation. So you bring us together all the time, every day, every day. We trying to get somebody to Jesus. We trying to get people saved, right? That's all good. We can clap that up. I've been teaching. Y'all can clap, you know. And so it's a powerful thing when you step into Christ and you you learn your identity in Christ and how your name has prophetic implications. Even if you talk to Lance, um, Lance's name means land and his middle name means like protector. And if you ever get a chance to sit down with him one on one and really figure out the burden of his heart, he's a protector and he's a big faith person. So whenever I say 20 campuses and over 20,000 people and we're going to we're going to take Maryland, he was the right one to to bring into the circle before we move from Florida because he he has this burden to protect his pastor, to protect his people, to protect the vision and to gain land for the kingdom of God. You really ought to learn your name. She knew better. She knew better than to name him Jabez. And the only person historically that could have overrode that was his father. But where's the dad? Do you see it? And if we're not careful, the things that happen to us, the way mom and dad and uncle and aunt, stepmom, stepdad treated us, when it's time for us to have our own kids or to mentor or to keep our nieces and nephews, whatever your situation is, you get what I'm saying? We can pass that down if, if we don't heal. So, so for a lot of us, we were labeled certain things growing up. There were words spoken over you growing up. You were offended and you didn't deserve it growing up. You were just a kid. You just had questions. You were just curious. You, where is dad? Why is this? Why are we going here? And in, in, in a season of hurt and pressure and pain, the people that raised us or that guarded us, they didn't pour well into us. And even to this day, we, we struggle. A lot of people are pressured to succeed. You were told you got to make straight A's. We're in America. You got to be perfect. You got to make it happen. Hush when we go into this place. Don't do that. Sit still. Be still. You were told all these different things. You got to succeed. Some of y'all just got y'all's doctorates and now your parents are asking, when are you going to get your postdoctorate? You know what I mean? Because they just have this mentality that you have to be a certain person. And as a result, within you, you never feel complete. Because in their eyes, you'll never be successful enough. And it's experience. It's the experience. And it's how it's passed down. And if we're not careful, the next generation will have to endure what we were victims of. 
But to turn the corner from transmission to transformation, I love how Jabez responds to it. First Chronicles 4.10 says this, He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. I love it. Anissa, when she was in worship, she, she quoted Psalm 27, 13 through 14. You got to back it on up a few verses to verse 10. Where, where, where David said, even if my parents forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Oh, come on. That's that's when we praise him. Even if the Lord will take me up. So Jabez knew like I'm, I'm from Abraham's lineage. I, I can even though my mom wants to name me pain, I can go right around her and get straight to Jesus and, and, and God will move in my life. He says this, please be with me in all that I do. And here's a direct blow. To, to, to her name and him, Jabez, and keep me from all trouble. And someone say that pain and God granted him his request. Put your hands together for God's faithfulness, for his goodness. And, and Jabez was determined to break the dysfunction that was so prevalent in his lineage. So now I want to give you five ways to break generational dysfunction. I wish I had more time with you, but. We'll, we'll try to do this quick. Number one is desire. You got to have a desire. There has to be something in you that wants better, that wants to go higher. There has to be something in you that wants a peace that your family has never tapped into, a peace that only Christ can provide. There has to be something in you that wants to live a life of joy. There has to be something Something in you, a desire is where it starts. God will meet you at the level of your desire. But, but if you don't have a desire for better, a desire for more, that tells God you don't have an expectation for him to move in your life. And he can only do so much. You have to have a desire. If I can, if I can get a little personal right now, uh, personally, my family, we're in, a, we're in a super winning season and so I try to bring that same spirit into our church so that the church could win and the church could be free. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have tough times, but we can certainly have victory over them. And let me just tell you something. Even though we're in a good season as a family, my mind is my, my desire is always more. I'm always, God, I want more. I want to see your hand. I want to do better because for far, far too long in my lineage, in my family, settling and surviving has been the thing. You know, paying the bills and doing this. No, no. God can do a lot more than just pay your bills. He can heal your life. He can bless your life. Your cup can overflow. You don't just got to, you don't just have to keep your head above water. God is still doing miracles. He's still restoring. He's still working. The second thing you got to have, the second way to break generational dysfunction is number two, a mindset. Your mindset. You have to be willing to change the direction of your thinking. And, 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 and if your family has been going in this direction, God's over there, but your family in certain areas, not every area, we all come from good people, but in certain areas, you've just been hitting a wall. You got to be willing to have a change of mind and, and go in God's way. Kind of hits on last week. You remember like uh, uh, Abram's way yeah, yeah, and, uh, and uh, God's way. And, and I won't go through all that. You can go watch the, the message, but... Don't be leaning, you know what I mean? Like, just stick God's way. And so, uh, so, so, so dysfunction, brokenness, God's way. You know, joy and wholeness and, and triumph and strength over, over the circumstances. And, and, and more so what I'm saying is you need to repent. 
The word repent in the Hebrew means to turn. Turn to God. As soon as Jesus started his ministry, the first thing he said was repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent. Turn to God. Repent. Turn to me. I'll bless you. I'll work in your life. Turn to me. Or in the Greek metanoia, it means to have a change of mind. So it's one and the same. I'm going to have a change of mind about God and I'm going to trust God and I'm going to relinquish all this nonsense to the Lord. And I'm going to I'm going to watch him move. It says this here in Proverbs 23, verse seven. It says, for as he thinks, someone say thinks within himself. So he is. Our life currently right now is the result of our thinking. And, and, and since it is genetic, I wonder how much of our lineage and the mindset that was so prevalent in our families, how much of it really is on the inside of us? You get what I'm saying? Like for some of us, there are political strongholds in our families mentally. Like you're a straight up Democrat because y'all been Democrats for six generations. Don't even know why. Just, oh, they racist and they, you know, the Republicans and I'm Democrat. And then you're a Republican because you've been a Republican for six generations. You don't look at the values. You, you go along with CNN if you, you're Democrat. You go along with Fox if you're Republican. And you haven't, you haven't yet found out who you are in here. You haven't been freed in here. 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 And so you got to have a change of mind about the finances and about sex and about relationships and about faith and about the possibilities of the things that God can do. In order for God to break through in your family, in your generation, you have to check what mom thought up against what God thought. You have to check what daddy thought up against what God thinks. You have to check all of it so that you can get free. Number three. Third way to break generational dysfunction, relationships. Relationships. Ask yourself, as you, as you came along, what kind of people did my parents and grandparents hang around? And do you find yourself navigating towards those types of individuals? If they were good and progressive and growing and forward moving, you ought to pick that baton back up. If they settled and, and they didn't change, they didn't grow, you need to put that baton down. Because relationships have the power to reinforce our dysfunctions. See, a, a lot of people like you broken. They like you addicted. They, they like you doing these different things because it makes them comfortable. Some people don't like the bitter you, the angry you. They don't like being around you because they know that there's more on the inside of you. And so in order to break through the generational dysfunction, we need to be looking like who is around us? Who's around us? Who, who, who's around us? Here it is. Write this thought down. Freed people, free people. Freed people, free people. I'll tell you what, if I get dysfunctional and get messy, I can find a whole lot of friends. 
But as long as I'm being present in my home and I'm pastoring my church and I'm being faithful to my wife and I'm trying to grow, I can count on one hand the amount of friends that I have because it's a it's a narrow road and only few, Jesus said. Freed people, free people. So watch your relationships. Number four, leadership. 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 Honestly, growing up, what we observed in our families and our lineage was leadership. They didn't know they were leaders. But, but growing up, your parents, your, your older cousins, siblings, brothers, whoever, they were your leaders. And so they set some good examples. They set some poor examples. But, but God has raised up leadership in your life to show you a better way. And I love what Paul said here to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 11. 1. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul didn't say imitate Christ. He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. A lot of us get caught in the trap of just saying, I follow God. But you don't even know what God looks like. What you need is you need human leadership. Good examples to follow. Write these things down, Memo. Write these questions. Number one, who is your leader? Who is your leader? Number two, write this down. Who do you pattern your life after? I got a couple guys and gals I look up to. And when I get a chance to get in a small room with them, I'm trying to pick their brains all the time. Like, how did you do that? How did you, how did you stay married faithfully for 34 years? Huh? Lead me in this. Show, show me this. How did you find financial freedom? How's your prayer life? Like, can you show me this? You know what I mean? Can you show me this? The third thing is, who do you aspire to be like? Write that down. <laughs> and, and if your answer is, uh, you really need to assess that part of your life. Because God will use people to, to help you break through the generational dysfunction. Let me tell you something. The most dangerous person to you is a self-led you. Because I don't know it all. And, and guess what? There are people that you want to be like. And the reason they're so great is because they have someone they want to be like. Oh, boy. Oh, okay. 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 Come on. That's good. Clap that up. That's real good. There are people you want to be like, and there are people they want to be like. So they're always in a growth mode, breaking through limitation. Who's your leader? Who do you, who, who, whose faith do you, do you admire? Who's, whose progress do you admire? You know that they're not perfect. You're not that naive, but you're like, I want to, I, I want to track just like you. Okay, and the very last thought here to break generational dysfunction is the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. Someone say Holy Spirit. Spirit. Yeah. It was interesting because. uh, You know, growing up and I'm sure we would would say it like most of us in here, I would say 90 percent in it would not trade our moms or our dads for anything in the world. And I'm not just talking to my generation. I'm also talking to the older generation as well. But we wouldn't trade them for anything in the world. I certainly wouldn't mind. I love Gloria Ward. I love Herbert 
Redding. There are two men I'm in love with. That's Jesus and that's Herbert Redding. Some of you guys in here, you're a close third, but I don't know if I'll be in love with you. But in all of our families, there's something that growing up, there was the good and then there was the, the not so good. And we all said, like, when we got there, we would change that. We would do better in that area. And my struggle was, was when I was coming along and I was attempting to change some of those things without the power of God, Chuck, I found myself falling into the same traps. Do, doing the same thing, just in my own power. And then in, in 2006, I had an opportunity to give my life to God and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I had I had a predominant mindset when it came to um, to having children and fathering, and I knew it was the Holy Spirit that shifted that. And we can throw anything in there. We can throw addiction. We can throw anxiety, anger, depression. We can throw any of it in there. But I had a prevailing mindset that it was okay. Not that this was anyone's fault, but it's just dysfunction, right? But it was okay to have multiple children with multiple women. As long as I sent the finances to where they were. That was a a stronghold. And I knew that the Holy Spirit had filled my heart. A couple days after I accepted Christ, because one of the first things God did when I received Jesus and the Holy Spirit did was he and this may not be your struggle, but he shifted my desire from that to wanting to be the husband of one woman. And like I said, I I don't know your thing, but that was one of my things. And so whatever it is you're trying to break in your lineage. You can't do it in your own power. That was, the, that was the point of me getting off on a limb again. Like, you know what I mean? But you, you can't do it in your power. You, you need the Holy Spirit. It says this here in, in uh, 2 Peter. Here it is. By his divine power, God has given us everything. Someone say everything. everything. We need for living a godly life. That everything there is a reference to the Holy Spirit. We have received all this by coming to know him, Jesus, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Today, you can receive that gift of the Holy Spirit. And you can begin the process of breaking through all that dysfunction that has kept you so sad and so burdened. You can begin to find freedom. And allow the Holy Spirit in to do his work, not just around you, but in you. Let's stand to our feet. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your children. I thank you that you love every person in here today and online, God. You have 
such an amazing love for all of us, God. I pray, Lord, that you would begin the work of breakthrough, miracles, and our families, God. I pray, Lord, if there is any shame, that, Lord, you would lift it, any condemnation. Lord, that you would lift it, Lord. We are not too far away for you to track us down. And, Lord, you're here right now. Your presence is here. And right now you say to your people, I love you. And I want to do a new thing in and through you. I speak a freshness and a newness over your people, God. I speak freedom, deliverance, joy, peace, purpose, salvation. Now with all heads bowed, if there's anyone in here who would say today, I want to give my life to God. I want to give my life to God and I want to make Jesus my personal savior. I want to give you that opportunity. Maybe you're a Christian, but you've since walked in the opposite direction and today you want to come back to the Lord. I want to give you this opportunity today. We're going to pray a prayer. But if that be you and you want a fresh start, you want to create a new lineage, a new direction, go ahead and raise your hand. Every head bow. This is between me, you, and heaven. Raise your hand if you want to give your heart to God today. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can put those hands down. Let's pray as a church. Father, we love you. Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. Father, I thank you for raising him from the dead. Today, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I ask that you would forgive me of all of my sins. Father, I pray and I ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is what we need. He is what I need to live a godly life. Lord, I promise to do well by your strength. I won't be perfect, but I know that when I mess up, your grace is there. And I know, Lord, that you're doing a new thing in and through me. Lord, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate that. Come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah.